from the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hey everybody, this is Pete Sanchez. You are listening to Talking Catholic. Thanks for tuning in. This week we are the first post-Catholic leaders, the Convocation of Catholic Leaders, the Joy of the Gospel. In South Jersey. In South Jersey. Thank you. I'm Mike Walsh. And we're here with Donna Ottaviano Britt. How are you? I'm doing just fine, Pete. How are you? Doing wonderful. Congratulations to the both. You know, Donna, you're the director of missionary discipleship. Fantastic job. And Mike on the steering committee. But more importantly, she was the head of the steering committee and the person who really, uh, in terms of, if you want to talk about who actually put this thing together from yeah. a psychological standpoint, from an educational standpoint, <laughs> uh, who the heart of the, uh, the this event was, it was Donna. She was the one that Thank was you. pushing us in all those directions. And uh, as Deacon Anthony did and as Bishop Sullivan did from the stage at the convocation, they gave her glorious praise, much deserved as well. Yeah. So I'm trying to make her blush, but she won't what blush. What a surprise coming from Mike Walsh, giving <laughs> it, me a compliment. It is, I well, know. <laughs> I want to know how you get one of those. It's so rare. Uh, I, you, I'll I tell you exactly it. how to do it. Run a four-day event that took 18 <laughs> months to plan and then pull it off not only successfully, but with nary a problem. You will get my ever-loving, uh, ever ever-enduring uh, praise for yes. being able to pull that off because I know how difficult it is. So I need to write this date down and remember it. It's literally no, being it's, recorded. <laughs> you, can put it, you can make it More your telephone uh, ringtone. Yeah. Well, I, it, it was. Uh, I do kudos to you, Donna. I, I just thought it was a wonderful time. My mind is still fresh with uh, the joy, and I, I think Mike is right. Your heart, your mind really just guided all this time and, and will continue as we'll continue yeah. to talk about it. And if anybody didn't like the convocation that attended, it's her fault. So it's a balance. You got to take the good with the bad. <laughs> That's right. Uh, St. Yes. Teresa of Calcutta said that. You must take the good with the bad. Yes. But the, but the truth will. of the matter was, I mean, let's, I mean, Donna deserves a lot of the praise, but it, it also was a team effort. I mean, there exactly. were there were eight people on the steering committee and then Herculean work by the audio video, video guys, uh, McHenry Creative Services that uh, actually put on the show part of it. And then all the volunteers, the Knights of Columbus, who were, who were great, not only volunteering their time and effort, but also uh, acting as security for us while we were there we had two nurses on staff that that responded to calls every single day from from people in need uh, and they were there as volunteers and then uh, all the exhibitors who came out on uh, tuesday and wednesday uh, all the speakers who came out we had a ton of them a number of them traveled quite far to come here just to help educate our our south jersey catholic leaders and then uh, all the priests who were on hand, all the pastors who essentially closed down their parishes for four days uh, if they didn't have someone else there to, to look after the parish, just so that they they were a part of it as well. It was amazing. I mean, I've been a part of a lot of very large conferences in my life, but this was definitely one of the best. I would agree with that because I've done a lot of big yeah. events in my time, too, and it was amazing. I would like to give a shout out to Aaron Hench. Oh, Aaron Hench deserves oh, yeah. much praise. Aaron Hench yes. No, we miss you, Aaron. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron was, uh, came in at the almost the very last minute with uh, four weeks to go, uh, which in event management time is the very last minute, to, uh, to lead us the rest of the way mm-hmm. to, uh, to bring home all the logistics and work with the hotel and all the other elements of the, of the convocation, and she's, she did a fantastic job and did it with a smile on her face and uh, enjoying her heart that's that's even more yeah, difficult to have absolutely. happen as donna will uh, will 
will say I, I did all the similar things, but none of it with a smile on my face nor joy in my heart. I was just putting putting pegs in holes. That's what I was doing. Well, I do see a renewed Michael Walsh this week, Mike. Do you? After last Are week. you sure? I do. Today, I don't know. I'm I with God as my witness, Don is my witness. It seems like you you have a spring in your step. Would you like to know why? I can tell you why. Why? This will come off as a bit of a, a insult to Donna, but I, I don't mean it that way. This is the first Wednesday I have not had a convocation planning meeting in 18 months. And I had no meetings today, as a matter of fact. I, I, it was like a weight has been lifted off my shoulder. I've been saying since we started this process, I cannot wait until April 1st. Uh, 2019 so that when we're done and over and it's behind us because actually my job gets a lot easier donna's job gets a lot more difficult yeah. she this was the convocation was just step one exactly you know from here on out there's a heck of a lot more work to come so good yeah. luck yeah thanks yeah. for that with I'm any luck sure we won't see each other again so it'll be fine i look forward to more of the convocation stories as this continue this continues to bear much fruit and South Jersey. I'm excited. I believe it will. I believe it will be very fruitful, this convocation. Yeah. Um, if you look at the the energy of the people last week that attended, pastors, laity, etc., our speakers, our workshop leaders, they did not lose their enthusiasm for the convocation throughout the four days. They were amazing. And and we get a, a benefit from in this um, technological age that we're in right now. Uh, we're going to be able to put up all of the plenary sessions from the convocation on uh, on our podcast feed, as a matter of fact. So over the next Wonderful. couple of weeks, I'll be putting up uh, day one, day two, day three, day four from all events. Great. It won't be the workshops because we didn't record those because we wanted to make sure that people felt free to be able to talk you know, without fear of uh, of having been recorded and possible retribution if they were to say something that somebody might not like, um, and we the uh, the evening meditations won't be a part of it, but uh, the, those plenary sessions with Julianne Stans and uh, Cardinal Joseph Tobin and Hasman Ospino, and let's see if I can remember all the names off the top of my head, Chris Lowney yeah. and Carolyn Wu, along with the uh, Q&A sections that happened with all those plenaries and the panels and the witness talks. Oh, good. Okay. Those will all go up on the, uh, on the podcast feed as soon as I get around to chopping them all up and getting them up there. Yeah, because those are really good ways, too, for the parish leadership teams that attended to expose the rest of their parishes to yeah. what they experienced. Yeah. And I, I, you know, we've, you and I have, it's funny, we, we, I hadn't planned on jumping directly into the podcast. We still need to, to hit up some of our upcoming yes, events do. and stuff like that. But, but, um, you know, it, an event like this is beautiful because when you look at it, there were really, f I mean, there were many elements, but there were five educational elements to it. You had, you had a plenary speaker from, uh, you know, from a thought leader of, of Catholic, of, you know, uh, a preeminent thought leader of Catholicism. Then you had the panel discussion where we really got into sort of a best practices piece, you know, where we talked about ways and in the Q&A section, ways that people could be doing things in their own parishes. And then you had the witness talks, which were where people talked about how their Catholic faith both affected them and has protected them. And, and those were very, those were perhaps the most moving of all of the, uh, the elements. Um, matter of fact, our, our friends, uh, friends of the podcast, uh, Kathy and Mike O'Callaghan were, uh, were one of the witness talks. Uh, and they talked about what they talked about on our podcast. Although I, I lamented to Mike afterwards, I said, you know, you could have cried on our podcast too, but he, he saved it for in front of 800 mm. people at the convocation and it was incredibly moving and touching. Yeah. Well, I thought, 
I just I have to put in there too. One of the witness talks, Sister Joseph, one of the CFRs, spoke during the adoration about right. her vocation experience. Right she, now, that won't be part of the what we're putting out because that's in oh, the evening. That was in the evening meditations. Well, but yeah, sister, as you know, Sister Joseph of the four of the seminarians, Sister Joseph is a is a fan favorite of mine because uh, she is, uh, I believe, Dutch. She Dutch. Yeah, she's yeah, Dutch, she's and she has story. the driest sense of humor, which is right up my alley. Every time I, she's she's so funny to me. I love her to much. So, but that's why it's always kind of nice to see her witness talk because that dry sense of humor came out in it. And if you, if you ever get a chance to speak with Sister Saint Joseph, uh, Sister Joseph of the CFR Sisters, um, ask her about what brought her to where she is today. Yeah. It's a, it's a great story. It really, um, and it's international in scope. I almost was brought to tears. Really? Yeah. Really? Because we heard that story once before. She gave it to us on the podcast once. Once again, you nobody cries on the podcast. Why will no one cry on the podcast? Who wants to cry on a podcast? I just like making people cry. Mm. <laughs> wow, Pete, try, I'm going to make you cry before you the end of the year. Hard, I've, I've almost been on the verge of tears, Mike, sometimes, but oh, I've, right. I've held back. Victory for me. Okay. The, uh, but now, man, you're going to see the waterworks, my friend. So then the, the fifth the fifth thing was the, was the uh, workshops. So those workshops were really an opportunity for people to interact with each other, which was really one of the key elements that, that Donna put together um, for this that in the sense that we didn't want these people just to be on the receiving end. We wanted to be, have them on the giving end, too. Yeah, we really wanted them to be in those workshops to hear topics that, that were important to them. They looked across their own parishes, like what might be some pastoral needs, and then how do you how do you meet those needs yeah. of those? And the other thing is, in working with the workshop leaders, it was like, okay, I really don't want you to come and give a PowerPoint presentation. I want you to really... Let, let our people have a workshop. Let them hear from you. Let them talk to each other at the table. Let them share out. Uh, everything I heard, uh, and I, don't ha- I haven't talked to everybody from every workshop, but it was really positive feedback around what they learned in those workshops. Yeah, I th- and like any kind of an event like this, uh, some workshops are going to be, are going to speak to people a little, a little more strongly than, than another one will. And that's just the nature of what these things are because they are so, each one is so unique and each presenter is so unique. So, you know, if you, you might've had a workshop with a really dynamic speaker, but, or, or presenter or a facilitator, but maybe the people at the table didn't get a chance to speak as much, but then you might've had other ones that had a facilitator who really understood that this was an opportunity for the f- people to be heard. And that one got a lot of conversation. So it was good that we yeah. offered so many options for people to go to. Mm-hmm. I mean, altogether, what was it? Almost. 45, 46 workshops, I think we yeah. offered, which is, which nearly crashed our system in terms of trying to get people registered for those, <laughs> but we managed it uh, courtesy of the point delegate leaders from each parish team who really kind of spearheaded that and helped us. It wasn't until the last minute we realized we didn't have a website for them to go to. It all has to happen on Excel spreadsheets. So that That's was true. really Herculean effort on their part to make sure that their fellow delegates and their pastors were registered. Yeah. So I, I think I want to the narrative of this podcast to be sort of a beginning to end sort of synopsis of the event. So why don't we switch back to what's coming up in the area uh, and then we'll go into day one through day four, actually day, day minus one through day five. (laughs) Well, coming up this Sunday, we got the faithful food drive, which we've talked about uh, on the show before. Very exciting. It's the sixth annual initiative that the diocese of Camden has done. This is going to be around 
All the parishes in the Diocese of Camden are teaming up to fight food insecurity in the Diocese of Camden. This means there's, there are too many people in this area and others that really do not know where, the next, where their next meal is coming from. So help out. You can drop off food donations, canned goods, non-perishable items, such as vegetables, spaghetti sauce, fruit, applesauce, t- canned tuna, uh, peanut butter. Drop them off at any Catholic church on April 7th or participate in the virtual food drive at camdendiocese.org slash faithful. That's F-A-I-T-H-F-U-L-L. And this is sponsored by the Diocese of Camden's Catholic Charities and the Life and Justice Ministries. And coming up next week, the another cathedral's, uh, another speaker at the Cathedral Speaker Series here at the Cathedral Parish of the Immaculate Conception, 624 Market Street. This is going to be March, uh, April 10th. I'm sorry. It's Wednesday, 7 p.m., April 10th, with Deacon Joe Nines. It's going to be on communication in marriage and families. Deacon Joe is a permanent deacon in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia and holds a master's degree in clinical psychology and a Ph.D. in human sexuality. He's also in private practice as a marriage and family therapist in Pennsylvania. So this is going to be 7 p.m. in Cathedral Hall. It's free. And this is once a month, um, the, uh, once a month on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. at the Cathedral. This Wednesday, April 10th, on Communication in Marriage and Families. And then at the end of this month, Saturday, April 27th, once again, there will be the following The Way of St. James on the Road of Life, sponsored by Vitality Catholic Health Care Services. This is exciting. This is from 9 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. It's a day of spiritual exercise and walking to celebrate and support the health and well-being of our parents and grandparents. And this is inspired, Mike, by one of the uh, Mike and Don, one of the places I want to go to. And one the, of the places Donna has been to. The Camino? No, but I want to go to it. Oh, wait, I thought you list. did the Camino. Nope, didn't do the Camino. Want to do the Camino. Oh, how thought oh. you did the Camino. My no. apologies. I'm jealous of everyone who's been. Uh, me too. I mean, that one of these days, you, this this event, so we can do this and say we were doing an event inspired by the Camino. So this is Saturday, April 27th from 9 to 1.30. Of course, the El Camino de Santiago that we're talking about is the way of St. James. It's 500 miles through uh, yes. France, France and, and Spain. Spain yeah. Yes. This is far shorter, but just as meaningful. It's in Ventnor, too, which yes. should be a beautiful day, April 27th. Uh, it's a vendor at St. Jam- James Church, appropriately enough, at 6415 Atlantic Avenue. And registration is from 8 to 845. Then there'll be morning prayer and a pilgrimage walk, followed by, uh, and also included with this walk, will be Eucharistic adoration. And then when you get back to the uh, St. James Church, there'll be Mass and lunch. It, it really is a beautiful day. I, I didn't get to go last year, but I, I got feedback from everybody who, who was on it, and they absolutely loved it. it, it I mean, there's there are fewer places in the world that you can walk around uh, and enjoy yourself uh, as much as, uh, um, and still be in New Jersey, uh, as much as uh, Ventnor. So, you know, I highly recommend it. It was good. It was a, it was a nice time, according to everyone who was there. So, yeah, you should go. Matter of fact, maybe I'll make an assignment for you. Go to go to this thing. Okay. Enjoy the walk. Thank you. You got well. No, Saturday, April twenty seventh. Come say hello to me. Maybe it'll rain from nine to one thirty. <laughs> uh, pray, blessed Mother. Do not let it rain that day. To register or for more uh, information. Excuse me. Wait a second. We just we didn't even talk about this. We probably should. We were at iRace where it poured, and we saw incredible Catholic turnout. 
despite the rain. More than it was one of the largest turnouts they ever had for iRace. It was incredible. It was. I was not disparaging the iRace. When I wasn't I was disparaging. I was. You, I was disparaging you for saying that. Uh, let's hope that apparently when the rains come, we are even more additionally blessed. It shows the fortitude of the Catholic people who will come out despite the rain for their for their faith. And Mike, right. yes. it shows Pete's faith in the Blessed Virgin by asking her to watch over April 27th that maybe there'll be no rain. I didn't hear that part. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I know. I don't. Mike's like, who's the Blessed Virgin? Says <laughs> <laughs> <his> dark heart. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so contact Ann Perello for more information at 856-583-6121. That's April 27th. I will be there. Not sure about Mike. I'm almost certain I won't be there, but I will be there in spirit. He'll be praying for rain. Or I'll forget about it completely. One or the other. So. <laughs> And then the next day, April 28th, we actually got two cool events that I'll just touch on briefly. This is April 28th at 10 a.m. Holy Savior Church, 50 Emerald Avenue. There will be a massive inclusion for families with children on the autism spectrum. This month, April, is Autism Awareness Month. So there will be the Eucharistic Celebration, 10 a.m. at St. Teresa of Calcutta Parish, Holy Savior Church, 50 Emerald Avenue in Haddon Township. And all are welcome. There will be a reception with light refreshments. And Holy Savior and McDade Hall are fully accessible. And for more information on Autism Awareness, contact the National Catholic Partnership on Disabilities at www.ncpd.org. Come on out April 28th at 10 a.m. in Haddon Township. And that same day, I'm excited to talk about the 28th Annual Afternoon of Jazz Plus, sponsored by the Diocese's Black Catholic Ministries and Cultural Diversity, to benefit their scholarship fund for students. And there'll be fun fellowship, a buffet dinner, and dancing to the sounds of the Max. This is going to take place at Aletto Caters, 1849 Cooper Street, Almanessa, New Jersey, from 2 p.m. to 7 p.m., $50 per person. For more info, contact Joanne DiGennaro at 856-583-2904 or Lisa Scott Coley, the chairperson of this event, at 856-313-7443. Once again, Afternoon of Jazz, April 28th, Aletto Caters, 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. Did, did we do the one that's coming up this weekend? And the oh the Franciscan sisters. Oh, we'll let, how about we let uh, Donna do this? That's one. right. I apologize, Donna. No worries. So there's the the Franciscan sisters of the renewal does a beautiful first Saturday service, and they do it February through June. So this Saturday, April sixth, beginning at ten o'clock in St. Michael's Church in Atlantic City, the sisters are there. It's really like a mini retreat. So Pete, you've yeah. been there, right? Yeah. So Pete um, and I typically will go there on first Saturdays. So to those who were at the convocation and participated in. Tuesday night's Eucharistic Adoration and Healing Service, you actually get a full day of the sisters and the friars, right, who actually come in and there's there's a talk, there's mass, there's adoration, there's rosary, there's the meditation that you do for First Saturday, there's music, there's Eucharistic Healing Adoration Service at the end of the day, and benediction, as well as confession. So, you know, in conversations with others who are who do First Saturday devotions, what do you typically miss? You miss the confession piece. Mm-hmm. They bring in priests. Um, they have several. So you can do face-to-face confessions. They also have priests in the confessional, typically. So this is a really beautiful day. So I know we're going to talk about the convocation, but I also think what's really important for, for delegates and all people is prayer. 
Prayer is really important for us in the work that we're going to go forward and do, um, and our building of virtue mm-hmm. and our trust in the Holy Spirit, asking for the Holy Spirit to actually help us do this work. So if you can get to the first Saturday um, with the sisters in Atlantic City, it is just a beautiful day. And they serve lunch in the middle. You don't have to, you don't, there's no offering that's necessary. You don't have to pay for it. It's really just a spectacular and holy, holy day. So come on down because you'll see me and Pete there this Saturday. That sounds well, okay, Mike. I'm making a request. We normally do this when you know the country it's every first Saturday. We should just keep that clip of her just promoting it and use that, <laughs> drop it in. Okay, boom. No, that was a perfect illustration of this event. Did it better than any that I've ever done about this. Uh, sure well, that, that I was, fully agree with. Yes, I knew you would. Yes. And but good things are happening in Atlantic City with this convocation. So yeah. uh, you too. Well, I want to hear uh, about my day minus one. Okay, so day minus one or day plus one. I was no day minus one. Day minus one was the prep day when uh, we were getting the place set up. What I think what people don't realize is we had that whole thing set up in under twenty four hours mm-hmm. uh, between the AV company and us getting down there with all of our paraphernalia and getting all the bags put together. The actual physical process of, of putting it together was shockingly short uh, for the eighteen months of prep that went into it. Um, but you know, I mean, I was I was jokingly talking about uh, day plus one, but or minus one, but I mean, sort of further out than that. You know, Donna, what? You know, you you had the the nineteen or the twenty seventeen national convocation of Catholic leaders. Even though you didn't attend it, you were given a lot of materials on it and spoke to a lot of people about it. So that was sort of your guide going forward. But you know, what was the concept of the convocation, sort of in your mind, as you sort of like? came to that moment of I think this is what we need this is what we need to this this is the process we need to to follow through to make this happen the thing that I found most interesting is that I would be you know chair of steering committee to plan this convocation and I didn't attend I did not attend the national well thank god because you got to not make all the same mistakes the national company or the national convocation now, most did. people had some very positive feedback no no right, there was great the things but we we learned what to tweak yeah so all of those who went with bishop to the national certainly had their their feedback and their input and really the usccb was great they shared all of their survey results so we knew kind of what the overall um gaps were for them so we could solve for those and fix those ahead of time but i think in terms of what bishop sullivan's intention was to happen here we could make some really powerful changes to our convocation to think what could happen here for half a million Catholics, you know, in in South Jersey. So thinking about what the vision of that was, thinking about the experience. So that's what we continue to anchor to. So certainly we entrusted ourselves to the Holy Spirit and the Blessed Mother, like let us not plan something that is not fruitful. Mm-hmm. It really was important to understand what the full experience would be for a parish delegation to come, so these teams of 10 and 11 um, from each of the parishes, but also an individual experience, right? So Pete, just thinking about your attendance, right? I know you were working there too, Mike, I know you were working plenty while you were there too, but I don't know what happened. At, at the, what we planned in terms of what was happening from stage and morning prayer and mass every day, mass every day was beautiful and diverse. Right, and looking at the evening uh, prayer services. Again, very diverse, lifted people up. So I think it was about that. So for people to understand their baptismal call, because all the delegations had to do Mm pre-work. Because we knew we couldn't have, you know, seven to 800 people from across the diocese show up on March 25th without any context, without any reading, without any work, without them meeting, and think, okay, I get it. 
And, you know, having gone through the previous convocation and having done no pre-work and being with people who did no pre-work going down, you ended up, it ended up taking an extra day just to sort of spool up and get the real feel for what, what was, what was being attempted to be accomplished at this event. Um, whereas we did our best to highly encourage, if not force, uh, parish teams of 10 plus the pastor to actually focus on this event and get into the mindset that where they might be most receptive to understanding what was about to be presented to them. Because uh, they only, what, they did their training, what, starting about two like months before? Yeah, so. Yeah, so they yeah. only had about eight or 10 weeks. Yeah, which is not a lot of time, but, um, you know, we made it, Donna made it very, you know, uh, digestible, easy to understand. And, um, and you know, not, I don't think there was a ton of heavy lifting. The Chris Lowney book was certainly uh, a good guidepost for, for all the attendees to read. I still made it to page 89, still working. That's only 189 pages. I got to go another 100, but, um, but I'll get there someday. Um, but the, it, it, it was. And actually, everyone that came to me afterwards um, was like, you know, thank goodness for the book, because it really did give them a clear idea of expectations mm-hmm. of not expectations necessarily of their role at the, uh, at the convocation, but the importance of the role in the parish, you know, which I think many times we Catholics are just a little too used to being the, shep- the, the sheep before a shepherd. And we have to realize that we're shepherds as well exactly. as sheep. Right. You know, we have an important responsibility. And um, I, as someone who went to the convocation uh, in Florida, and when he came back, you know, along with others in that group said, man, we got to figure out how to bring this this back. And, you know, we're, we were suggesting that it should be replicated. I got to tell you, I think it was replicated in an outstanding fashion. I really do. I think, and granted I'm on the steering committee, so maybe I'm biased, but I was sitting in the, in the first, yeah, it was the first evening meditation with Valimar Jansen. And as a Catholic who doesn't attend, who has, who never had the opportunity to attend a world youth day kind of, or youth, a major youth event, Catholic youth event. I, I was gobsmacked to be standing there on the mm-hmm. side again, which happened to me, happened at the convocation in Florida when I saw Matt Marr perform and the audience go crazy, me not knowing who Matt Marr was, but <sighs> his, his, I know, for shame, I know, I'm a terrible human being. Um, and then seeing Valimar Jansen do her thing on Monday night and hands in the air, people, I have a great photograph of Bishop and Father Hughes dancing in the front <laughs> row. It's in last week's Catholic Star Herald. Um, and it was incredible. We got lots of video up there because of that. And it's just just absolutely gorgeous. So that energy was definitely, we definitely captured the energy. We, I think we definitely captured the interest in the room during the plenary sessions because the key to, when, during a plenary session or any session like that, I you always scan the audience to see who's on their phones. And I saw nary a person oh, no. on their phone during those plenaries. I mean, they were, yeah. they were engaged. And then the only thing I really don't have a, clear idea of is the workshops themselves because usually that was when I was doing work so when you you got to sit in a couple workshops didn't you I went into several of the workshop rooms and I would like to have participated fully in several of them actually all of them it would have been great but it's hard kind of when you're working the event so just to get a sense for what was going on in the rooms and what I saw was engagement and that's what I was most happy for because it's one thing you know, to put up a great plenary speaker, you know, from the main stage and, and they're sharing what their expertise and their knowledge with us and how to do things or some ideas for how to do things. Because it's all about, you know, being creative and helping delegates be creative around how they'll do this back in their parishes. 
But really, when you go to workshop, this is a chance for you to talk and to share, share what you've done, share what you're thinking about doing, get ideas from other people from across the diocese that are sitting at your table with a really good facilitator. And we've really covered a lot of topics. So my experience of when I was able to go into workshops for a few minutes is limited. My experience with delegates who went to workshops is not. I mean, I heard from delegate after delegate around how great this workshop was or how great that workshop was they got great ideas to take back as a delegation so that's my experience really with the workshops is the delegates who attended and for people who might be listening to this going who might have been delegates or had heard from delegates and their response was like well my workshop wasn't that great listen this is just the the initial feedback we're getting right now uh a survey will go out to all attendees where we'll get a, a great deal more detailed information in terms of you know what they thought, what they didn't thought. I already had a couple people saying, Mike, I got some ideas for you and Donna for the next time you do this. To which my response was, are you trying to kill us? Because this, this was a one-off. But but that actually was one of the things that we heard from a lot of people was, can we do it again, please? We'd yeah. like to do it again. Yeah. That's how much they loved it. And Which is a great sign. Yeah. And if I can say, you know, uh, just speaking as an outsider, Mike, you mentioned that. You want people to realize that they should be the shepherds. Yeah. And I think in that sense, it makes me think, and this is the vein, was uh, unlocking their potential. And the thing that struck me is is over the past couple of years, I've thought about, you know, what what is my role here? What, what am I called? What is my purpose? And I loved how I think... Julian Stans talked about everybody has a story. Tell your story. The bishop mentioned that, and you mentioned that, Donna. And just realizing, you know, we all have a story to tell of our own encounter with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And also, if you don't, you know, like if you, I thought about, you know, I've reflected on that. What does Jesus mean to me? How has he come into my life? And understanding that, I have been able to understand my role in this story of salvation and in turn share that story and empower others to do the same because that's what it's about. It's about creating that effect, creating missionary disciples and the seed that Mike, you and the bishop and Father Romano and the other delegates picked up in Orlando and brought here, gave to Donna and Donna has planted them in this fertile soil. It's been wonderful to see no i i agree actually that maybe that's a good lead into what the thought was for each of the days so day one happens and uh people show up they may have had to wait in line a little bit to get their hotel registration but i believe they did yeah but uh we, we got that figured out for the next time we do this in five to ten years mm-hmm. um <laughs> but uh but beyond that so their their first plenary session was with julian stance as a matter of fact so yes. that day one like what were what were you hoping to accomplish on day one with these I think we were hoping that we would deliver the opening and the keynote and the discussion that happened between Josh Miller and Julianne Stans afterward. It was really an opportunity for creating a depth of understanding around what is missionary discipleship. Uh, I also think it was an opportunity to let people know that your baptism calls you to this. That's right. You are, by the, by the very fact that you were baptized, you are called to be a disciple, and you are called to be a disciple who's on mission hence missionary disciple. And that means going to make other disciples. So where's the joy in all of that, right? That should be a joyous mission. No one said it was going to be easy, and there will be some hard times and some suffering that go along with it. But that's what we're called to do. 
But every one of us is called to be that. So what did she say? Let's get moving for Jesus and we are tabernacles with feet, which I loved, Mm -hmm. you know, which I have continued to hear now since the first opening for opening day of the convocation from from the delegates, because that's really what this is about. There are so many suffering, sad, searching people that have no idea that if if somehow we could help them and enable that encounter with Jesus. Right. So you said it earlier, P, like, why am I here? What is my purpose? Everyone has that question. Everybody. And if you anchor it into faith and a relationship with Jesus and what he expects you to do, it gives your life meaning and purpose. And there's great joy in that. I have meaning and I have purpose. So I think if you're asking me about day one, they did they did the pre-work. They read Chris's book. They read a little parts of living as a missionary disciple. They met three times as a team. They built an Easter project. Like, what's their missionary discipleship plan for their parish? It was just a draft. But it was come on the first day now and think, this is our future. This is what we are compelled to do. Right. So day two rolls around, and we have two plenary speakers for Mm -hmm. day two. We had uh, Hasman Ospino, and we had uh, Cardinal Joseph Tobin from the Archdiocese of Newark. And what were we hoping to accomplish on day two? So so Dr. Ospino was the speaker in the morning. So he he teaches at Boston College. He was a speaker at the National Convocation in seventeen. And the important thing that we wanted him to share with us is, what is the current state of the church in America? And if you look at it, it's not particularly good. And this isn't anything that people aren't aware of. You know, if Bishop's opening, you know, letter in the the program for the convocation is, they are not flooding through the doors to join us, right? Not everybody's coming in to join the Catholic Church. So he really sort of set the stage on... You know, the average age of a, you know, Anglo-Catholic is 55, where the young and growing populations are in the Hispanic and the Asian populations, right? We really could do a much better job evangelizing our African, African-American brothers and sisters. So there's a lot of opportunity for us to think about what is the current state of the church. Now, he also wove in a tremendous amount of hope into this as well, like especially when he talked about like we today are standing on the shoulders of the giants who have come before us. Mm-hmm you know, the saints and the martyrs and all of those people. But what he challenged us to think about is, what is our legacy? What is the church 100 years from now? What is our legacy? I thought that was a huge call to action, right, for him to really have us think about a number of different things, looking across the church and what the needs are of people if you wanted to walk with them, create a sense of community for them. Um, And then the second part of the day, the second plenary session, and they went to workshops after that, Mm And then the second keynote speaker was uh, Cardinal Joseph Tobin. And he really did a a terrific job of sort of talking through what Pope Francis' vision is, you know, for missionary discipleship. And he talked about mercy, mission, and margins, right? Making sure that those are the things that we're paying attention to, you know. And I would add to that, like, those are very important calls for us. But I think for us as individuals, if we're going to do any of that work, we have to be prayerful people as individuals and then also these delegations. I think we need to know our faith. So if we're not reading the Gospels, we should be reading the Gospels and not just every Sunday in Mass. Yep. And if there isn't a catechism in your house, you should have one. <laughs> you should know your catechism. Yeah. You should know it. And I do think we've got a couple generations back to back now that are poorly catechized that don't understand their faith. That's true. So I think that's a really important thing for the for a leadership team and also just for anybody who's because really you don't need to be part of the leadership team to witness 
You do not. You should be witnessing at home with your friends in your workplace with a you need to know these things. Anybody should be reading the gospel yes. and know the catechism. And I think, you know, you're talking about that witness. And sometimes I feel, this is just my own personal experience. It's funny you mentioned that because I think lately in my own life I've thought about, I think it was Mother Teresa who said, I'm butchering this, but really doing small things for the Lord. Or St. Teresa of Lisieux, little flower. And there's, you know, I've had ambitions to do this, do that thinking that, you know, if I did all that, the Lord would love me. But really, I have to love my family, my colleagues, my friends. You know, Mike is... Well, I, I'm just trying to, do I have to love my colleagues? I well, no. I'm, well, I mean, it's, yes. I, I think, yes, we're called to love everybody, Mike. Um, Fine. And I just think that, you know, it, it can start with my community. And one of the things, you know, the, I will say this convocation inspired me to I saw my pastor, Father Tim Byerly, who I love, St. Pete's Merchantville, and I asked him, I said, Father, you know, I want to be a lector, so now I'm going to be helping out more at that church and just get more involved with my community. This really, I'm, this has affected me. I mean, it's just, it really... That's beautiful. I mean it. Like, I just, man, I wish this was every year. I feel like I need this. Well, if if I can help everyone with that, it's uh, really expensive and really time consuming. So <laughs> if you all want to donate money or we get lots of sponsors or you people have to pay for it this time, because, uh, you know, this was completely paid for by the parishes and the diocese and uh, so and Catholic Strong. So and a host of other sponsors who took part in it. So, um, you know, if we, you know, we've sort of kicked around the idea and I haven't talked to any of the bosses yet, but, you know, if we were ever to do this again, we'd probably have to change the structure a little bit of it. But by the same token, we might be able to open it up to people from the outside area too so might be more parts of new because as far as i know this is the only kind of thing that's actually been done in the state similar to this the only one i'm familiar with it's that could even touch this is the mac conference in baltimore that's an annual conference they do down there every year um similar several days long but i mean if i do say so myself I'm going to say we blew it out of the water. Oh, I think so, too. I've been to the Mac. I've been I think, to the Mac once. Yeah, me too. Well, we had the same one. Go yep. think of it. And I got to say. I would say that was not this. No. So I, here's the one thing that I And I'm not share. denigrating the Mac, by the way. No, the Mac is a lovely app. We stole yep. their idea of their app, as a matter of fact. Right. But, um, but the, we were able to do things at this conference that uh, I don't think a lot of other conferences could do. And I think, you know, I give all the credit in the world to our steering committee who came up with a lot of great ideas and uh, all the ideas we were able to steal from other conferences that we've been to. And that's a lot of what this job is, is, you know, as I often say, good writers borrow, great writers steal. And uh, steal shamelessly. That's right. That's what we do. And that's what we did. We did a We did a fair bit of that. But again, it was all anchored to the experience of those who were coming. You know, to those who will get their their shoes dusty, as Chris Lowney said, yes. as his lecture on as his keynote on the last day is, we need to go and get our our shoes dusty for yeah. Jesus. So and means where we're not out. comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for a lot of us, anyway. Yeah. The, for someone like me, that's very difficult oh, to do. I'm, yeah, I'm an introvert. I, I I have a hard time going out in public and meeting people I don't know. I've overcome it over the years, but it takes a great deal of energy to make me do it. Um, 
We're going to put you on stage for the next one then, Mike. I don't have a problem with stage. I just, actually, <laughs> stages are not my problem. <laughs> I can pontificate with the best of them. <laughs> I did joke. You know, it's funny. We we had hoped, and I should apologize to the listeners, you know, we had hoped to do more podcasts while we were on site and, and talk to some of these great speakers that we had. But quite frankly, Pete flaked on that. No, just kidding. The, uh, quite frankly, I was so freaking tired by the end of the day yeah. that yeah. I, I, like, we did one, and we did that one around, wasn't that around noontime? Or yeah, dinner that was time, right yeah. before lunch, and uh, like that one was fine. But by the end of the evenings, I was wiped. You know, yeah. just absolutely wiped and in we a good way. About it, right? Doing podcasts like when the whole every day night was we over, talked like, about it. Yeah. Let's do a podcast at like nine o'clock, and I was thinking. I have like two brain cells to rub together. Yep. Huh. I'm not going to be able to think, ask a question, give an answer. I was like, Mike, I don't think I could do it. Yeah. <laughs> same, same way. And, you know, we, we spoke to a delegate today, uh, one of our co- one of my, well, our coworkers, uh, Neil, uh, Neil Cullen, works for the Catholic Star Herald. He was a delegate. And uh, he said the same thing. He says, he, Mike, I went to bed every night exhausted. And not in a bad way. Not, not in a, oh, God, I can't believe I have to do this again tomorrow. It was a... Wow, that was an experience. Yeah, you know, and yeah. he, and uh, he slept hard, and then he got up the the next day. It's uh, you know these kinds of events. I mean, it, but it's really designed. We didn't necessarily want people to. We wanted everyone to enjoy themselves, but it was important that they understood that this is work. You know, so that was day two. So day three, it was two workshop sessions. We had Carolyn Wu, and we had Carolyn Wu to yeah. start the day off. Yeah, and she was terrific. Yeah. And the title of her talk was "Rise and Shine." <laughs> So it's really how you get up and get moving, right? Yeah. So no, none of us should be limited. And this is where I think some of the, the parish teams will have to really think about it is it, like you may be kicking around some really big ideas that require some planning or maybe some resources or something you couldn't do right away. You really need to be thinking about what can we do tomorrow? Like what's, what's an easy thing to do tomorrow and I will tell you there are a number of parishes that are getting going in the next few weeks like they have identified sort of the low-hanging fruit the easy things for them to do to live as missionary disciples Uh, I heard from a number of delegates who actually were asked to speak from the AMBO at masses this past weekend because they decided that like the parish should hear about what they experienced they've been praying for the convocation since the beginning of Advent so now give the delegates a chance to sort of take the ambo and share with the fellow parishioners at all the masses over a weekend what they experienced in an effort to try and bring back some greater understanding of it and maybe sort of set expectations on here's how we're going to go forward and here's how we'll need you. And, you know, it's important for the for parishioners to listen, uh, listening and, and delegates who are might be listening right now to know this is a process. You know, this it's none of this is going to nothing's going to change overnight. No, this is going to take this might take a year. This might take multiple. It will take multiple years. I mean, this is really something you'll have to internalize individually and internalize as a parish to really become effective. And it'll be difficult in the sense that uh, and this is where where Donna's really going to earn her pay is uh, down the road is keeping that energy up and that that focus that this is something that we need to make sure is important in our lives and in the life of our parish. And that might mean that perhaps there's already a strategic plan for your parish that's been been written and maybe it's only a day old or a year old and you come back from this event and go, uh, I think we got to chuck the strategic plan <laughs> because I think we learned a few more things. And it's simply because you didn't have that information a week ago. Now you have that information. Now you have that spirit. Now you've got this this experience that you've never had before. Maybe, you know, we had the idea that we had to bring they had the, thank God, the USCCB 
came up with the idea of the convocation. And, and thank goodness that, that Bishop Sullivan sent down 23 of us to actually go to it so that we could be inspired by it. And we've done, and the mission, our only, uh, uh, the only, this convocation, the South Jersey convocation, wasn't the only element we brought back from that that convocation. I mean, I've been including missionary discipleship in almost everything I've created since that convocation as a as a as a tenant or as a theme in in my communications and marketing. Um, Catholic Strong, one of its principal elements was the sense of missionary discipleship. So you can do more, but it might be that the parish says we need to come up with a parish convocation, and may you know it's. They're expensive and difficult, and I'm not suggesting it's for 800 people, and I'm not suggesting you got to rent out Harris Conference Center, but you know maybe a two day and I'm, and more than a than you know than a retreat, more than a renewal, an actual interactive event at the parish level for your for your parishes to consider. I mean that might be what what comes of this. I don't know, but the beauty of having 800 delegates and 62 parishes is. They're going to be able to do whatever they think is best for their people. All they have to do is keep an open mind and listen and don't put up roadblocks. Right. And that's the point is that it will be very organic and it will come from the bottom up. Right. So that at the parish level, they'll make those decisions. I had a uh, point delegate leader breakfast on Wednesday when I was there. So there's a point delegate from each of the parishes. It would have been hard for me to engage with 620 lay leaders, but I, so I have 62, one person from each parish. And really what came up is, is something similar to that, is like even at a deanery level, mm-hmm. or like just a cluster of parishes, like three or four parishes that really thought it was important to bring, you know, try and replicate that experience, and it would be doable. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't be as expensive as, you know, this. You're not, maybe not everybody's not staying overnight, but it's two days. You have speakers. You have workshops for your parishioners to go through. You have some of that evening worship. Mm-hmm. We have all of that right within the diocese. It yeah. would be very doable if you were trying to lift up your fellow parishioners, if that's what they decided at the parish level to do. Yeah. So there's all kinds of ideas. Even, so Mike, to your point, talking about embedding missionary discipleship and everything. Think about what it's like for a parish delegation who attended the convocation to go back now and think okay how do we make this live you know part of it would be how do you embed missionary discipleship in every one of your parish ministries Mm -hmm. how do you take missionary discipleship back to the pastoral council right the pre-work's already there you could actually get people from your parish from the heads of ministries or from the pastoral council to go through the pre-work you know, and start to get, you know incorporate that language and the understanding of missionary discipleship and your call from baptism. So there's a way, and again, it's what I say to them is, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You don't try and do it all at once. So there's all little things that we can do. Find the easier things in missionary discipleship to do, maybe while you're kicking around and planning something larger. How do you incorporate more people, you know, into what it is that you're trying to do? Thank you. No, it's true. It's it's. Yeah, I'm very excited to see what they come up with because I mean, mm-hmm. we came up with some ideas, and I've already heard people, you know, some some critiques of, of what we did and saying, you know, I mean, I kind of wish they had done this too. And I look back and I go, just slapping my head, going, "We should have done that. That would have been a great idea." I, mm-hmm. I agree completely. We just didn't think about it. So that's where the benefit of having six six hundred and twenty other people mm-hmm. thinking about this now is, what else can we do? And you know, you know, it's it's a weird. 
it's a weird situation the the Catholic Church sometimes there's this there's this natural effect to think of everything as a hierarchy um, but the truth of the matter is you know this us as part of the steering committee you know we're we were servants we were serving the the pastors and the parishes and the parishioners that was what our goal was we wanted to create things that would serve them um, and I, I think we were able to achieve that. And I, I hope the people who, who see this will see the same thing and realize I got to figure out a way to serve our parishioners, but not just our parishioners, the people outside of our churches. You know, how do we get back lapsed Catholics? How do we get people, how do we get the people who need Christ and never knew that that was something, may not even know they need Christ at this mm-hmm. point, that just know that they have a hole in their lives and they can't figure out why they can't fill it. Exactly. Um, and the only way to pull that off is we got to go back to the apostle method, the disciple method, where they literally went out and they went to towns. And in our case, it's going to be going to neighborhoods or places where Christ it may appear absent. He's there, obviously, but, you know, we have to make sure that the people can see him, you know, and the only way to do that is to get out of the church. So it'll it'll they be see Christ in us. Right. Right. We Even are me. the physical presence of God on earth. Yes. Even you, Mike. Yes. We need to see him in you too. Right, Pete? I I, I pray. <laughs> I pray for Mike. Why does everybody pray for Mike? Mike is awesome. <laughs> no, but Mike I mean, is a delight. That's exactly why we pray you for Mike. Are. <laughs> well, you know how many people put... So one of the elements of the... the there was this boat, <laughs> this lifeguard boat at the, at the front entrance of the thing, right? Oh, that was awesome. And, and it had all these sand dollars in it. And people were supposed to write like prayer intentions on the sand dollars. And if I'm not mistaken, Donna has a box load of these things back at her place and someone uh, members of the steering committee just like they took it upon themselves to write pray for mike walsh on like 15 of these things in the hopes that i would have a conversion mm-hmm. personally i think i'm perfect just as i am i don't get- know i think mike might be a little converted after last week i really do because really you could not miss the holy energy in that you really could last no. week. it was because we were so hopeful that we were planning the right kind of a moment for all these delegates that come in the pastors and their teams and to be honest i was literally blown away by people i was blown yeah. away by how lifted up they were yeah can which I, then in turn lifted us up yeah. you know we're like oh yeah okay this works <laughs> you know can you we know. jump to wednesday night with ek nadolo uh, can we, can we well, I'll tell you what, let's do all let's do all three of them. So we started the first evening meditation. The evening, yeah, evening meditation was Valmar Jansen, who I had never experienced before. I didn't either. She was amazing. And she, oh, she was. I can't, I have a difficulty even describing what that was that she did. But basically, she was she was part ringleader. Yes. Where yeah. where she was able to get this incredible audience up on their feet, interacting with each other, and basically told parables from the stage where she embodied part of the parable, but in a, but in a very yeah. um, non-traditional way, I guess. I would say that that's true. Like she would take the stage and she would she would take on the character from scripture, yeah. Yeah. like the woman at the well. Just, Remember yeah. that? She took just on the character of the woman at the well. She had this like bucket type thing on her hip and she's, she's talking about why she's going to the well. And then she's talking about talking to Jesus and how she runs back to her community and telling them they should all come meet him. Like you knew right out of the gate that this was the woman at the well. You know, I mean, she just took on these characters. Would she take on Mary Magdalene mm-hmm. or Elizabeth? Oh, I don't. I think she that. took on Elizabeth I think too. It was I mean, yeah. she was just amazing. Like, really, the scripture came to life. You're like, wow, that's amazing. You know, when you read scripture, sometimes yeah. you're like, okay, yeah. I'm reading yeah. it and I know this story. But then to have somebody 
so engaging from the stage be that scripture character you're like i'm all in and then yeah. interspersed with the music yeah she's and in. and she how got she, us to do a few things she she got the attendees to do many things and it was it was incredible yeah. the beautiful clothes that she wore too yes. she went you know she, oh yeah gorgeous the different changes uh-huh. in her clothing no it she just was, was bright it just yeah no no she's a. A, aside from, uh, in addition to being one heck of a character herself, she, uh, as an entertainer and as a spiritual leader, she was, uh, you know, above all. She was really impressive. Yeah, she was excellent. And then the the second one, we, I think we talked earlier, we uh, we had the CFR sisters and, yeah. Father, uh, Glenn Sedano. and Father Glenn yeah. Sedano from the Friars. And Sister Joseph's Witness. And Sister Joseph's Witness. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I am a sucker for adoration. So that was just beautiful. Um, that's always actually, you know what, you know what I lamented the fact that I, I, I was there for adoration, but I lamented that we had a chapel on site all open all day long, every day. I never went to the chapel and I was in desperate need of quiet solitude many times and I didn't make it to, and I'm kicking myself that I, I did not partake lovely in Lovely and quiet oh, and beautiful. I'm glad it was. That's, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy. That makes me very pleased. Yep. And then the last one was Ikendola. I was going to say the CFR sister, Sister Chiara, did the beautiful music and sang. Oh, for the adoration, yeah, I mean, right. her voice, and I think Sandy Martinez, too, helped mm-hmm. out. The One of the missionaries was St. Michael. Yeah. Uh, Father uh, Rob was there playing his electric guitar. Rob, I'm yeah. sorry. Sorry, Father Sinatra. Yes. Yeah, Can't he was good. Can't forget him. No, it was, that was a, that was not, I didn't know what to expect. As with, I mean, heck, we were on the planning committee. We didn't necessarily know what was going to happen. Those evening meditations were a bit of a mystery for all of us. Yes. And. We just trusted. We trusted in the Holy Spirit, as Father Hughes told us oh, almost all daily, and he darn it if he wasn't right. And um, it was really, really wonderful. So then, so the adoration, you know, you can't beat adoration. Adoration was great. And then Icandola, that was that Matt Marr moment for for me as someone who doesn't listen to that music. Um, just watching people just up on their feet, hands raised, rocking out, singing, yeah. dancing. The only downside was being someone there who had to work as well. Um, so I was uploading photos and putting stuff on social media. So I stepped out in the middle of it. Well, in the middle of it, I stepped out apparently from the most important part. Yes. Donna's mid-concert meditation. Oh, yeah. So how yes. was it? Uh, well, let me rephrase it. Pete, how was it? Yeah. You Wait, were what, there. Are, what are you referring to? The Donna did a... When a, I get up and did the imaginative prayer of Jesus in the boat. I think I missed that. You missed it. Oh, what? 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 I came in. Hey, man, I had a job. I don't have an excuse for him. I was driving back from here getting the paper to bed, so that's why. Okay. So the way Dolo does his set is he plays almost all the set, but then what they want is for someone to come up to the stage and do a prayerful meditation. So I have some experience with uh, imaginative prayer, but in the way that St. Ignatius teaches it. So I've run retreats where you teach people how to do imaginative prayer. And St. Ignatius does it by harnessing all of your senses. So you read through the scripture passage and you find yourself in it. So who are you in the scripture passage? And then afterwards, somebody kind of walks you through it. Or you could pray it yourself as an individual. When I'm in that scripture passage, what do I see? What do I hear? What do I feel? What do I taste? Right? Use all of your senses. So I walked through a meditation. The, the scripture passage we used was Jesus in the boat asleep during the storm, and the apostles are all freaking out, thinking they're going to die. I That's was, Brent, I'm sorry. I was there for that. But yeah. It, it, yeah. Must I, not have resonated, Pete. Wow. That's, that's, that's no, rough, no, it did. <laughs> Man. No, 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 no. You know, I, I'm mean, but that's just cruel. <laughs> no, Donna. No, I mean, I'm glad you're jogging my memory because I, that, yeah, I, um, 
Okay, stop. I'm sorry. It's fine. So, so what you do is you kind of walk people through it. Like, what do you see? So I have everybody close their eyes. So it's like, what do you see? You're on this boat. Is this a nighttime storm? Is this a daytime storm? You know, look at Jesus. His head is laying on the cushion. He's sound asleep. Look at the position of his body. He's asleep. Everybody else is gripping the sides of the boat. The waves are crashing over the boat. Your feet are wet. Your sandals are wet, right? What are the things that you can taste in the air? What do you hear? Like you can hear the voices of the other apostles, all of those things. And then what is the sound of Jesus's voice when you all finally wake him up? You know, and he calms the sea and he calms the wind. But the way you get through the, towards the end of the meditation is, okay, all the other apostles have gone to sleep and now it's just you and him. Mm. And it's a chance for you to talk to Jesus. He's got his hand on your shoulder. Feel the weight of his hand. Look into his face. And now it's just you and him. What do you want to share with him? This is your time with this man that you love. What will you share with him? And that's how it ended. I think you need to invite Pete the next time you do that. Okay. For a no, prayer retreat. I, I do remember that, it had, but circumstances it had been... No, no, I mean... I was rushing to No, get, I'm looking at you as you're listening to her speak, and I'm thinking it's touching you. And I think oh, you should... Oh, completely. The next, uh, man, the next time you do it, I think I think, I think think it looks like it's resonating with you. That's, really, I wasn't, no, I wasn't I mean, ragging on you. I was just letting you know. No, thank you. No, Mike. <laughs> I know. I wasn't... You people I are just, so mean to me all the time. We're you not know? mean to you, Mike. All I ever try to do is be kind to you. We're very there. patient and loving of you, Mike. We <laughs> you are being... That. Well, I think... Look, are Pete and I are being very good missionary disciples right now. That is true. We are. <laughs> well, you're too kind, Donna, at least for me. Um, I, I think that's true. That whole, um, I, that idea, I, I love that visual of being in the storm and Jesus like reclining, just kind of, you know, what what me worry? You know, kind of like Alfred E. Newman from Mad Magazine. Is that what he'd say? Nobody in the history of humanity has ever made that connection <laughs> between Jesus Alfred E. Newman and Jesus. <laughs> well, I'm the first. But really, what I'm me telling worrying, Father Paisley, like, we should. Oh, um, I think that's how I want to be. I want to be that calm amidst the storm, like Jesus said. It's not easy to do. I keep saying on this, there's so much cultural storms around us, and what we put in, especially during the season of Lent, I've been trying to be more mindful of what I put into my body in terms of what I watch, what I read, mm-hmm. what I listen to. Because when I get away from that and focus on the catechism, scripture, meditation, like you did, there's that calming. And it keeps me, I feel sheltered from the storm that I know is around me. So thank you for that. I apologize that it didn't come back to me. That's totally fine. It's totally fine, Pete, because you totally get it. Mike missed it all together. I have no idea what's going on. (laughs) Right, he has no idea. But he missed the conga line too. (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't the, say you I were there with it. the conga line, right? I somehow got swept up in that conga line. That was amazing. That yeah. I do wish if I I wish with my camera that I had that there. Did you take pictures of it? Oh, I did. I took photos yeah. of the conga line. I yeah. thought it was um So now anybody listening to this podcast is like, "Wait, they did a big convocation and they did a conga line." So if they understood Icondolo, who is a Catholic praise and worship group, I mean, it people were just so fired up mm. during yeah. that concert it was a little over an hour and a half and it was just people were on their feet hands in the air clapping we put all the lyrics to the songs up on the screens people could sing people loved it yeah it's a different way to worship Mm -hmm. right we're worshiping god we're thrilled with our god we love being faithful to him and it was just a joyful kind of an experience it was a great way to end our last night 
I will have to say I was a little surprised by the conga line, but I went along with it. I well, got pulled by a bunch of other people into it, and off I went. I will say that there's a way to, you know, I do appreciate the reverence of, and you know, of, of a conga line. Like no, no, no. <laughs> I was just saying there's the, the contrast. Oh, there's oh. the reverence and the peacefulness, but the conga line was just something I got swept up in. I um. God, I wish I had seen that. that would, I probably wouldn't stop laughing, but it's, it's fun. <laughs> I'm glad you weren't there. I'm glad you don't have any incriminating photos of me. Right. And don't ask anybody on this podcast for incriminating photos. I, I, I don't consider them incriminating photos. I consider them blackmail. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right. But, okay, so so that, that was Ike and Dola was that evening. And then, but we, the, the, the last day was uh, the plenary was, um, it was, the plenary was with Chris Lowney, yeah. who really went through his book and uh, or his presentation that, that draws from his book and really gave, I think, but a lot of good best practices and, and guidance to the he people did. who was there. And it's something we touched on earlier, too, that he talked, that Pete, you referenced. Like, this whole idea is like, and or Mike, you too, like, we're just a bunch of sheep. Mm. We expect to be sheep, and we expect to be shepherded just by our pastors. That, those days, and our, and our, I love our good and holy priests, because we have so many of them, mm-hmm. right? We have really good and holy priests. And they really want to be shepherds, right? To preach mm-hmm. and to teach. So, you know, they do lots of other things now. They have other other constraints put on them, especially because there just aren't as many priests now. Hence the importance of the element out of Chris's book is this whole idea of co-responsibility, right? Lady co-responsible with clergy for the health and the growth and of our church, our beautiful church. Our beautiful church. Our beautiful church. Mike makes fun of me all the time because I like to say our beautiful church. But Jesuit. I believe it, right? I love our beautiful church. So, but if you look at his book, he even said that from the stage on Thursday to what you talked about here is we're leading and following all the time. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, leading and following at the same time. The other point he made is everybody's afraid. Everybody's afraid to go do yeah. it, right? So think about some of the things we're uncomfortable with, uncomfortable telling our own story, giving our witness or you know, we think, oh, I'm at work. I'm not going to talk about this, you know. Um, but I think there's all kinds of ways to bring ourselves into somebody else's current reality. Yep. And that's what he's calling us to do. So get your shoes dusty. Get your shoes dusty doing the work you need to do for Jesus. Is be out. See something, do something. Yeah. You know, like see yeah. people in need, meet the need. You don't need a committee or a leadership team to help you do that. You do it. Yeah. You and, do it. And Pete, you know, it's funny. I, you mentioned about how you went to the convocation and it made you want to be a elector, right? Or talk to Father. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's certainly admirable, right? But if I were to posit, I would say, I think we want more from you. The, the whole idea of actually it was to get outside of the church walls. Yeah. So I think it would be, a, it would I mean all of us, I mean, me included, um, need to find ways of being Catholic in the world more than protests and, uh, you know, advocacy and, you know, the things us Catholics seem more than happy to do prayer services and things like that. We need to become, you know, brothers and sisters to our friends in need, our neighbors in need and strangers in need. And that's going to be far more difficult, I think, for some people to get their minds wrapped around, particularly people like me. Um, but I th- and I think if we don't do that, uh, I think 
the I think these downward trends that we see will continue. We really have to adopt this Christ-like presence, uh, Christ walking through Jerusalem, walking yeah. through Israel. Um, and if we don't, you know, aside from the people who will be left harmed by not being part of a community like the Catholic Church and the Catholic faith, um, being devoid of that spiritual nourishment that they need, as well as the emotional nourishment that they need for being part of a good and holy community. You know, the thing that's, you know, we've talked about the CFR sisters a lot, and I, I know we do that a lot, and I apologize to all of the um, all the orders who listen to this podcast and say, how come you never bring up any of us? It's because, you know, I'm myopic and I don't get a chance to go out as much as I can. But I, I have been able to interact with the CFRs a lot. And they do something that was another one of their mind-blowing activities that I think speaks to this sense of missionary discipleship. And that's the their street, their street evangelization. You know, I mean, no place else in the diocese. I've been in this diocese for 40, almost 47 years, born, born and raised. And until I saw the CFR sisters and their, their dedicated acolytes out on the streets, engaging with total strangers, just asking them to come back and pray. And then what the sisters did with Father Benedict House and reaching out to the poor and needy in Atlantic City. I mean, it's outstanding. I'm, if you're looking for a real world guidepost, um, if you're not sure, and I mean, Atlantic city, you know, I live in Glassboro. It's not quite the same as Atlantic city, but there are people in need. There are college students all over the place with me, uh, that are in desperate need of spiritual nourishment and they don't even realize it. They, they're filling up that hole in their hearts with alcohol and sex and all the other things that people go through. And, you know, as a former college age student and a college age person myself, I know what I filled it up with. And if someone had reached out to me with an alternative, maybe I would have filled it up with other things instead. So, you know, there, that's that's an opportunity that exists. So I think we need to go out beyond the walls. Yeah. But by all means, still be a lector. Thank you. Well, no, when you mentioned, you know, doing other, I thought about that street evangelization. Yeah. Because there's a, that's something that I, I unfortunately wasn't able to do last year. But I hope it comes back. They try to do it in the summer months yeah yeah and, do it. and just and even donna you were talking about too being a witness we um i just think about you don't you never know who's watching so try to yes you do god god but i mean it, in your <laughs> holy spirit day, jesus they're all there so keep mary. that would you say mary mary yeah um, yeah now he's going to reference mary now of course he will. of course <laughs> of course the um i love mary <laughs> and she loves you too, Mike. God, I hope so. Yeah. Um, well, it's, you never know who is. We have to keep that light on at all times because we never know throughout our day um, who who can affect. You know, someone at the grocery store, someone during church. You know, just your demeanor, your countenance. It's true. And the whole concept of pay it change. forward. I mean, derives itself from missionary discipleship. Sure, it does. You know, so I've always said. There's nothing worse than a dour Catholic. Nothing worse. Exactly. Than dour. I would just like to point out, I'm not a dour Catholic. (laughs) Uh, There's the difference between dour and whatever I am. Yeah. Sarcastic. So, So one of the things that I had said to the delegates on the opening day is, do you ever notice how beautiful, holy people are? They just radiate a beauty about them. Yeah. And that's how that whole room full of people look to me. 
all last week. Holy, beautiful people. And that's what we need to bring out into the world, not just into church on Sunday. So Cardinal Tobin said it like, you know, we have lots of hot buttons in the church, and we certainly do, and there, there are things that the church absolutely has to deal with. But one of the things that he said that struck me is that we seem to compartmentalize our faith to an hour on Sunday, mm-hmm. right? We need to stop doing that. Our faith needs to be evident everywhere that we go. And if we struggle to do that, then we need to think about, I need to pray more. Maybe it needs to be a different kind of prayer, right? So we have prayers like the rosary, but there's also meditation. You know, there's the liturgy of the hours, which I love. I love, love, love. If I lived near a monastery, I would go for morning and night prayer every day. You can do it on your own. I know that, and I, sometimes I do. But it's just so lovely to pray in community. Like when we did morning prayer at the convocation, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, in community, praying morning prayer. It was just beautiful, right? And the singing and the music and all of that. I read a, I took an online course last year, so I have a particular event, which I think I've talked about before, around Ignatian spirituality, the spiritual exercises. Um, and I took a course on Ignatian spirituality last year. And one of the books for the course was called The Soul of the Apostolate. And I think the book was written, I think, by one of the doms of the uh, Capuchins, if I'm saying it correctly. Magnificent book that if you are in whatever holy work you have been called to, if your prayer life wanes or disappears, leave the apostolate work you have been called to and go back to prayer. You must be a prayerful person, asking Jesus routinely to make you holy. Mm-hmm. We will not accomplish anything we are trying to do here in this diocese if we are not fully collaborating and cooperating with being made holy. We cannot make ourselves holy. Yeah. We cannot. We have to ask to be made holy. We need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to be made holy. Holy people will do this work. Now see, what about, I mean, I'm thinking of myself. I As work always. for the church. <laughs> of course, Mike. I, well, I yeah, you do it. We, we, we do this podcast a lot. You think about yourself a lot. I do. That's what well, makes that's, it so good. I have to pray the litany of humility more, I, I realize. Um, but I, I think, I don't know, Donna, you know, you talk about prayer, and I can get into the habit of thinking about my work here and saying, okay, I've done enough for the Lord. And in the subconscious saying, I don't have to pray. I'm coming to work. I'm doing this. And that is kind of a prayer. But that is, but when I do pray, I do see that it gives me more energy for this work. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Am I making sense to you? Like, if you, well, I mean, if you do like a morning consecration and what is it? I offer all my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings to you. Yeah. So like my whole day is set up from the beginning. Like I don't, my feet don't hit the floor until I've said that first. I know. Right? So it's it's kind of how the whole day gets set yeah. up. Well, you know, but how do you pray all day? I'm praying through my work. I, you know, listen, but see, I was driving to the Chancery today and this one guy cut me off in a big fat truck. And I thought to myself, Lord, please pour out your love and mercy on the truck driver because I cannot write this second. <laughs> You know, because he nearly that ran me off awesome. the road. No, that's right? Beautiful. So it's those kinds of things, right? That is like, okay, I want to be a holy person. This man will never know that he maybe nearly ran me off the road. And he's never going to know I prayed for him. Of course, now you all will. I'm not bragging. But it's what I did, right? Is because he irritated me so much. I'm like, I can't even think holy about you. So I'm going to let Jesus, I'm going to ask Jesus to bless you because <laughs> you aggravate the bejeebers out of me. <laughs> you know, so it's all of those kinds of things. But our, our prayer life is super important. However, yeah. we have a prayer life to not have one. We will not succeed in what we've been called to in baptism. We won't make it. Well, I think what I think what um, 
what I was trying to say. Thank you for that. Just at this own work, you know, I can say I work for the church and I can be prideful and not really, you know, then I don't have to pray when I go home. I don't have to say the rosary. But then I realize when I do that, yeah, I needed to. Mm-hmm. That can, I can get such a tendency to be like, well, I've done enough for the Lord. I'm holy enough because I work for the church when realize I, that's not the case at all. No, it's not the case at all for any of us, right? Actually, you probably need to do more. We need it's more true. It, I, I mean, honestly, I mean, when I first came here, it was, uh, it was the superintendent of schools here who, you know, reminded me that it's oftentimes when you are closest to the leadership of anything that when you see all the warts come out and you see people's humanity uh, for good and for bad. Um, and it's when your faith needs to be strongest is when you are amongst good and holy people who are also very, very human with capable of all the same momentary flaws as any of us. And it's good to have a strong spiritual nourishment to help keep you along. So all those times you look at me and go, God, I hate Mike so much. He's so annoying. How can anybody like this be able to work in the church of which a, you're not wrong, and B, many people say it, and I agree. But it's because you know, pray, pray, a uh, pray, just pray, Pete, just lots of prayer, never stop. Thank you. No, I, I be I, more like Donna. Well, I, oh no, I miss. Hold on, B L D, be like Donna. Yeah, there you go. B-L-D. Some days I hit it, and some days I don't. What color should we make that bracelet like? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Look, and some days I'm better than others. W W D D. What would Donna do? Uh, I think we should keep it to what would Jesus do? There like to your point, like, you know, I've done enough for the Lord today. You know, really, in honesty, not enough. No, None never. Of us will ever never. do enough. Yeah. And he knows it, you know. But like really my intention a number of years ago is like when I die, I want I want him to tell me you, you're a saint. Not like the canonized version. I don't need to be that. But I want to be one in heaven when I die. Hmm. See, that's maybe, what I want. Maybe that's the, you know, I like that because you talk about, you know, the church recognizes saints. But I like that idea. There's that humility in being, well, I don't care what the world thinks about me. It's only, you know, I'm performing for an audience of one. And right. I try to think about that, you know? I'm here for Jesus. You know, the whole world can spit on me, do whatever, you know? I'll turn the other cheek and say, hey, I know that I'm doing my best for Christ. Uh, okay, but I go back to that missionary disciple stuff thing we were talking about. You have to care for the world. Of course, Mike. Okay. But how to- hard is it? Well, that's what I'm saying. Think about the people that make it hardest to love them, right? I don't know any people like that. We have those people. <laughs> Pete and I are both looking at Mike right this minute just so y'all know, you know. But yes. like, there are some people in the world that are hard to love, but they're they're in our path for a reason. Yes. For a reason. To be run over. Wait, no. No, is that, is that, that, that would be I'm wrong. Sorry. Sorry. Pete, you and I got to pray for Mike a lot more than we thought. And more than on a sand dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Sand dollar didn't work last week for sure. It did Man, not work. I I have been a joy since April first. It's been good. Three um, days. That Three is days, the best April Fool's joke I've ever no, heard. No, it's true. I've I, been a joy. I, I listen. I I fully admit that uh, the last six months have been a, a, a wee bit stressful, and I'd I have not been that. my usual joyful yeah. self because of it. But um. But but I, I mean, you know, for as little as I actually got to experience the convocation, which is a shame, but I mean, I know what my job is and I have a job to do. And if that meant that I unfortunately had to miss your, um, what was it called again? Meditation? Never mind, Mike. No, no, no. I really can't. Re- <laughs> I really couldn't remember. I couldn't pull the word. Um, 
but because I had to go do photographs, I mean, right. I'm, I am thrilled, absolutely elated that all the response we've gotten so far from the convocation has been so positive. Yeah. And, and it really has, I mean, you know, each part of the, we're going to wrap up soon, but each part of the convocation, each element, each plenary of the convocation had a question and answer period. And I was thrilled to see all the questions we got. And some of them were really tough and some of them were a little spacey and some of them were just, just joyful and, and having a desire to, to know more from the speakers. And then, you know, afterwards, you know, we, we have read a couple of reviews about the convocation lately and, you know, we've gotten some other feedback with some, some, you know, critiques, which are, and all of them have, like, I, like nothing that I've read so far and nothing I've heard from, from people has in any way diminished what we had hoped to accomplish as part of the convocation. Are there things that maybe we missed that we could have, maybe we should have tried not to have probably, but we're human and it was the right. first time we were pulling this off and we may have missed one or two things, but I got to say, you know, I think we did as good at, I mean, not to pat ourselves on the back, but this is for the listeners. Um, you know, we, I think we really tried to make every effort to to speak to everybody who would have attended to that, at least in some way. Maybe not mm-hmm. throughout the entire thing. Maybe the things that people didn't like. Sure. And, and that's fine. I mean, you know, we'll try to do better next time and we can't, but we can't appease everybody, but we can always try. And we had an open mind and nobody was trying to preach anything to any of the attendees other than go out and bring Jesus to the world. Right. That's Make it. Make disciples of all nations. Yeah. That's what Jesus tasked the first century Christians with, and that's our task today. The mission has not changed. That's right. So it has not changed. We're going to wrap up. But Pete, go out and be a missionary disciple. You too, Mike. We'll see. You too, Donna. Well, Donna's already. Donna's already. She's got it. She's got it. She's she's the model. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I really not. But I'm going to try, and I'm going to try with all of our really great delegates that the pastors invited, that they gave their yes to to Mm -hmm. their pastors, and to the pastors really to their credit too for who they selected, who they invited into the work, and almost every pastor. I mean, every pastor told me there are more people that would have been willing to come. We limited to them to ten. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Because at some point there, we had to have a limit because it's not never ending. But you know, it's the right size for a team. And and to Mike's point around us working together for over a year to bring this convocation forward is is exactly what these parish delegations are going to do now. Mm-hmm. They function as a team. They're going to put ideas on the table. Not everybody's going to agree with them. You got to find a way to talk through them. You can't have pride of ownership. Yep. You can't own your idea and think, oh, well, they didn't like my idea, so I'm leaving, or they didn't like my idea, so they don't like me. It's not that. Yeah, and they'll right? be and they'll be different. We had plenty of that over yeah. the past year. Like every once in a while, an idea would go on the table, and the more comfortable we got with each other, <laughs> I have to say, the more comfortable we became, it, you know, it would be like, yeah, no, I don't like that idea. Yeah, you know, and that's just kind of, and not, we got but used not to hurtful. It. Not hurtful. Yeah. No, no, we don't think that works in this context. We don't think that will work at the convocation. So we got it. We really got a chance to know each other and to trust one another. Mm -hmm. And that's what these parish leadership teams need to do. Pastor and laity. Yeah. To be successful. Look forward to see more fruits come out of this in the next couple of weeks and months and years. We'll be highlighting them. Trust me. Yes. You'll be writing about them, dude. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you, listeners, for tuning in again, and uh, look for the plenaries as I put them up over the next couple of weeks, and uh, check out the Star Herald for our reporting on uh, all the great work these uh, new missionary disciples will be accomplishing in the next many years. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Donna. It's always good to see you. Nice to be here in the vault one more time. One more time.